Dishing It Out with Gary O'Hanlon and Gareth Mullins, a Go Loud original podcast. Proudly sponsored by Cully and Sully. Tastes like homemade. Grab a Cully and Sully for soup season. Go Loud. Sounds better with us. Welcome to episode two of Dishing It Out with me, Gary O'Hanlon. And me, Gareth Mullins from Alan Power of the Marker Dublin. I thought he was going to say, and me from the Pat Kenny show every Friday, but you're probably thinking, I only ever hear me, as in Gary, every time I tune in to the Pat Kenny show, because Gaz is always busy these days, you know? It's your arm on the study there, so fair play to Yeah, I just feel like a wee commie every time <laughs> Pat's producer rings me and says, oh, Gareth's busy. I was like, okay, because like, I do nothing. Is that what it is? Anyway, we're back. Episode two, Gaz. I mean, I thought I was really good last week. I don't know about you, but... Not I, like you to throw but, a bit of praise at yourself then, no you were good and then, you know what it was a bit of fun and uh, it gave us a little bit of an outline about who we are and what we're about yeah. but now we're going to get into a little bit more about yeah. what's did your, did your wife not give you a could do better message you know I got one of them from my wife it was <laughs> brutal, well you? not from your wife <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it was great I thought it was I thought it was good fun learned a whole lot more about you and your career I mean never knew you'd been to Australia I knew you were in Australia but not at all that I know was it six years I couldn't believe that so there's lots on today we're going to be talking uh, food writers awards the food critics have been in the news and uh, usually they're the ones dishing awards our way yeah. um, but it was their time to shine so we're going to touch on a wee bit of that and uh Cookbook Corner is is going to be me this week. We're going to be talking about the book that I bring everywhere. And uh, and look, we really want to get our listeners' questions. We have a few coming in um, from last week already. So dishing it at goloudnow.com for anybody that wants to drop us a wee message. Um, we do love to, we do love to get them, and it is going to become a, a nice part of the show. And uh, so let's kick it off. So we are moving on to the Irish Food Writing Awards just announced in the last couple of weeks, Gareth. And this is a good time for the food critic. Usually they're the one dishing the awards, uh, the way of the chefs. But there's a few here we want to we want to talk about because some of these guys we would hold in they're very an important part of our industry, I think. And you mm-hmm. know, I think there's a misconception out there that chefs don't like food critics, um, which is wrong. You know that like if you're opening a restaurant or a food business. You need them. We, we more than need them. Yeah. You know, like literally your review is going to make... Or break. Your, yeah, I don't think it... I, I don't know whether it'll necessarily break you, but it'll definitely make you get your restaurant busy. And, yeah. you know, they're an important part of it. They keep you on your toes. They give you sleepless nights, of course. Yeah. Because, uh, I think that's important, though. Like, I mean, to have to have motivation as a chef. I mean, yes, you're self-motivated. You want to do well. I want to do well for my wife. I want to do well for my kids, mommy and daddy. And your peers is a big thing when chefs visit your hotel or your restaurant. And your owners. And you're, well, of course, I think that goes without saying the, the yeah. guy, the guys that that pay our wages. But I think you know, and we'll, we'll talk about a few of our favourites in 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 a wee while, and we'll focus on the award winners for now. But but they certainly they mean an awful lot to us you know what I mean I think we're very proud of our food critics as well here in Ireland you know I mean I remember a few years ago there was a wee bit of a spat I'm trying to think what it was now but it may have been one of the English critics or they were saying something I remember 
some of the Irish critics were standing up whether it was somebody in England had said something about a restaurant and they were quick enough to yeah, the, like hold on a minute now don't be talking nonsense about, about the Irish restaurants the Irish food scene and they were they themselves they're quite proud of, of Irish food and where I, I think that journey that Irish food and Irish chefs have been on over the last 15 20 years in particular has been shared by our food writers yeah and I think we spoke about it a little bit last week about back to when I think of back to the start of my career where food has gone from where that was to where it is now yeah. and I love that the food critics don't just go in and do the high end restaurants all the time Oh, aye. they're doing all sorts little oh, I mean, cafes bakeries you know. and that's the type of places we love you know what I mean yeah. like, I, like mean, I look forward to and I find out a lot of news yeah. from these not just the food critics but other and platforms a special well. nod to producer Russell that who our boy is, here is with us our boy Russell is one half <laughs> One half of the mighty gastro gays and Sunday Times yeah. food critics. Big and one. how are you finding it, Russell? You're you're new enough to that role a few months. It's tremendous fun. Uh, you I, get paid to stuff your face, <laughs> Russell. Mm. <laughs> Amazing. What a dream. It's about a year since we started stuffing our faces professionally in that kind of manner for the Sunday Times. Uh, I was going to say, you boys have been stuffing your face a lot longer than a year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thir- you know what I mean? 13 years of... Uh, good, good for you. Like... That, that going on your own for a long time and then you got the nod for what a prestigious paper as well amazing and and following in the footsteps of you know great writers like uh, Ernie Wally and Lise Han oh, taking yeah. on uh, my boy uh, Ernie there. exactly so it's, it's it's a great honor to do it in a food in food writing world becoming a critic is pretty much the mantle when you start off in a digital space like we have you have these aspirations and two two of the biggest ones are get a cookbook which we did last year and yeah. uh, get a piece uh, regular writing piece in the newspaper and that's a critic and I think all of my uh, peers as food writers all kind of have that aspiration and then it all came crashing down and now you're producing us two fools I know where did it all go wrong just you know where did it all go wrong well that's fantastic and look we love reading your stuff again you boys you know you're often I'm like going like do they just tell food critics what opens before anybody else knows no it's a question how do you like how do you keep your finger on the pulse? The whole idea of trying to keep your finger on the pulse is as much of the job as anything else. Trying to figure out where is new, where is interesting. The internet is a great resource Have for that. Have you eaten at that new sushi bar? Not yet. Have you heard I've heard about it, yeah. Have you heard about that? Yeah. I tried to get a table with Kwanji. Yeah. Uh, Kwanji is involved in Eurotalk as well and uh, it's booked out until March. Wow. Well, yeah, it's only eight seats. No, but I know it's only eight seats. But like, and they're talking about bringing in a lunch service, and but that's what I'm saying. Like these, but there is another little small place on Drury yeah, Street. I've been hearing about that only is like nine or ten or twelve, wasn't it, to the Michelin Guide? Right there, you go, Russell. Now I've got the finger on the pulse. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. going to get reviewed. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we've got to pluck a few out of here. My old editor, I wrote for the Irish Times for a couple of years, and when I tell you, Marie Claire Digby, she takes no mess from Chef's Boy she had me on my toes made me a much better recipe writer and thank you very much because I may do a book this year and I'm, everything that Marie Claire taught me uh, will be put so writing on Irish food products Marie Claire won a, a couple of 
awards actually let me see if I can find yeah so restaurant feature writing is another one and I don't know was there a third but there's definitely those two what about that Marie Claire Digby yeah I mean she's an absolute lady I think of oh, Irish food writing yeah. and her depth of knowledge about any ingredients um, I know during lockdown she she was asking she really supported us as a chef and community through Eurotalk and she gave us a platform for us all to share our recipes and I remember her saying to That's right, uh, yeah. Manuela we don't think we done I think it was 30 or 40 recipes something was huge banquet yeah I sent in some that time yeah too, exactly yeah. she was like make sure you keep them really approachable and not too chefy like we want people oh, to be yeah. and that was a difficult thing for a lot of us to go in and go you know if you're sharing a lot of recipes like we do it's not as hard but I done a chicken satay recipe for actually the base of it is from the book I spoke about last week yeah. and uh, Marie Claire you know she's told me she's cooked it time and time again because she loved the principle of the marinating the chicken first before you actually bring it onto the satay but that shows her understanding of food yeah. and you know does that age there goes? is no pulling the wool over yeah, that well, exactly. woman's eyes she well you know you hear like, I mean you hear oh what the food critics know and they come well they actually know an awful lot about food because yeah. they live and breathe it like us except you know they haven't chosen to stand behind the stove you know but they are certainly as passionate about finding the hidden gems and celebrating them and I think that's what I mean Gary you've said it already but I think that's what the Irish food critics do so well um, and you know they keep you honest I think as, yeah. a, as a as a chef and they make sure that you don't get tickets on yourself and I think anybody that doesn't listen to the to the critique be it a food critic or your guest yeah. then your notion oh yeah you're on a you're on, a, you're on a quick road to nowhere. Yeah, to nothing. yeah you you really really are. So yeah, big well done to Marie Claire Digby. That's it's definitely a big favourite in the chef community, and I'm I'm sure we can we can say that for the whole yeah, lot no, of us. Time. I mean, universally, she's loved. And another one, and you you know because you, you do this for a living. But food photography, how difficult is it? And in Russell, our producer has uh, has cooked with nine bean roll books last year. The deep fried book was yours that's right. amazing uh, Ruth Calder Potts you know Ruth quite well Gareth yeah and Ruth Ruth has helped us with the Euro Talk Young Chef her eye for detail of uh, finding personality not just in food but even in when she's photographing the chefs yeah um, it's something that I, you very very rarely find in a, in a, in a yeah. photographer and food photography is difficult because you're it never looks as well when you like when you photograph it, but for somehow she can get it to look better. Yeah, you know, and that's probably the biggest compliment that I can give. Her. Oh, it's amazing. Um, I mean, I've worked with Harry Weir, who's done yeah, food and wine for. He does a lot of books. He did my Irish Times column for for well over a year, and I think he does most of them. I mean, Harry Weir, just amazing. You know what I mean? And um, Shane O'Neill as well. Aspect photography. Shane did my wedding actually. I was doing a dinner with Tom Durley many many years ago, and he was staying in Viewmount House. I ended up barter his services for the dinner because he's old school loves a barter it was amazing so James said look he came in around the kitchen he ate the whole tasting dinner in and around me and the best photographs we ever ever had as a business was the photographs taken that night that Tom and I did the food and wine event and Shane O'Neill's amazing so for Ruth Calder Potts to be beating those boys to the punch is is, uh, takes some doing you know and you know now like 
photography and photograph and what you're doing in your business that it's so important oh um, because everything now as we know is digital and yeah. not only are your guests photograph photographing everything that you're doing but they also want to see what's going on but in your business speaking about there. that by the way how do you feel when you crack open Instagram or Facebook or Twitter and somebody's tagged you in a picture of something they've half eaten in your restaurant they're obviously we know how difficult it is to be taking pictures it drives me <laughs> mental yeah I'm like well some people are going what's that mess what's, yeah you know I think it's not fair that you know but I, you're sitting here I know when I was younger I cared more I don't really as much nowadays but you're like oh my god the dish looks cat yeah but what you are know, you doing the thing is like if you what 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 I'm looking for is to make sure that the dish is, is what the dish is supposed to be like you yeah. know I mean I run a big operation with four kitchens five food outlets so I can't be everywhere all the time so yeah. you know we also have a lot of secret shoppers that come into our business that, yeah. and they take photographs of everything so I use it as a training tool and I really think that's what that's what you should use it as you know yeah. I mean and I think anybody with a little bit of an eye for food will see alright the lighting was terrible he's yeah. already eaten the sauce yeah. you know you know. now to be fair most people have got quite yeah. savvy with with the picture taking but I mean I remember when social media no, started start, at yeah. the start of social media and everybody was like there was no such thing as a filter and it was just yeah, a picture yeah, oh man it was uh, scary scary times <laughs> scary times so moving along then see what else jumps out of me cookbook of the year Dennis Cotter Cafe Paradiso in Cork well the book was called Paradiso and that's the second I mean I remember having the original uh, Paradiso book as as my I'm ashamed to say that I actually know the book but I don't actually have a copy do you so, not no there's a, isn't there amazing vegetarian food in it? well it's like, all vegetarian oh, yeah, it's, go, a ve- it's a vegetarian restaurant and I was a young impressionable and, chef in Boston know. and nearly Everything I cooked, like the the beginning, the beginning of the dish or the the thought process. So I would read books and look at books. I imagine I'm the same as you. Yeah. I would see one part of something and say, right, that'll be lovely with my venison, or that'll be nice with this, or that'll be nice with that. But the Cafe Paradiso cookbook, um, it's clattered. I've used it so much, and I still have it to this day. And this is the the new version of it, or I don't know if it's a rewrite or it's a completely new set of recipes but I mean probably probably the original vegetarian restaurant in Ireland really mm. this have you eaten in it? No I haven't actually I haven't no. eaten in it but it's uh, it's like many things it's on the list yeah on the list yeah so well, well done jumping out to me there is uh, Mick O'Connell the wine writer for uh, Food and Wine and uh, Mick actually MCs a lot of the wine dinners that I do oh does he? I don't yeah. know Mick at all Mick, yeah wow a fellow dub he's actually from uh, he's from Kilbarrack Road I'm from Donamade so they're like super close together. I think Stevie, Stevie that does the restaurant actually, he's a he's a proud Kilbarrick man. Yeah, played, there you go. I, I know the name because he played in nets for Kilbarrick and he yeah, yeah. and he often talks about them. So any, I was at a funeral there once. Every time I hear or see Kilbarrick, I think of my boy Stevie. Yeah, so Mick is a uh, Mick is incredible. He's a master of wine, incredible knowledge. He actually does a slot on uh, news talk as well, and he's um yeah he has incredible knowledge and a, a lovely approach to talking about wine because you know sometimes. When wine people start talking about wine, you're like, okay, right, come on, move it along. Like, you know, it's 
yeah. Star Talk. Shout out to Brady O'Hora as well. She's amazing. I went to college with her brother Joe, one of my closest pals. Really? And uh, she started a, a lovely little, I wish I could think of the name now. Maybe Russell will know it. Brady's Wine Chat. Brady's, yeah, wine, yeah. Brady's wine Chats. And I did a Brady's Wine Chat with her during COVID. She started it during COVID. I love her to bits. She's absolutely fantastic. Really approach. Just when the, the minute you said, really simplifies it, really gets a hook on you. And yeah, it's great. I haven't seen Mick then, but I've been I've been wanting to go to one of your what wine like, dinners. What I like about it is, you know, there's, there's this whole thing about wine that people get really intimidated by. Yeah. Because there's a little bit of skill and smelling the wine and, you know, like as I always say to people, a good glass of wine is a glass of wine that you enjoy. That you enjoy, yeah. And once you figure that out, then you might start venturing into other wines that you also enjoy. Shout out to all you Montrachet makers out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know I love you. <laughs> exactly. I tell you, man, I would drink I would drink Montrachet out of a dirty sock. I'm telling you, I love the gear. Love it. I'm on a white wine buzz. I go on white or red, but for years. Like so I'll drink red wine for a couple of years. Literally no white. Right. And then, so for the last four or five years, it's just white. I, I mean, I might have had a little bit of red wine at a dinner recently, but I'm not buying red wine at the minute. It's only whites, really, which is bizarre. No, not at all. I think it's just yeah. what takes your fancy. I think. Yeah. I just love really cold drinks. I don't drink tea or coffee because I can't drink anything hot. I hate that feeling. And obviously, I don't know, it's because I'm working in France and it's just so, summer. so hot in the summers as and well. They make such amazing white wine. And they do make really good wine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm right by Sancerre, you know what I mean. I, I, I work, I work in the Loire Valley. I'm, I'm quite spoiled for choice. Yeah, for sure. Next up, then, what are we, what are we looking at? Um, Aoife Carrigan. Aoife's been, has, has critiqued my food over the years. So the food writing award went to Aoife. Now Aoife, when food and wine was the bible in Ireland, like you know when the magazine was there, the Ross Golden Banner, Ernie Wally was the first editor that I would have known. I got to know Ernie when I came back to Ireland in 2000. 2005, and I think Ross Golden Bannon might have followed him as editor not long after that. And uh, and Eva has been ever present there. She's amazing, massive knowledge. She had holy mackerel, which was her. She was blogging about food before blogging be, was nearly a thing. She has been ever present in all my years cooking in Ireland. Um, and this yeah. is the thing I, I think sometimes the people understand when they think about food writers that it's they're in and around at every event. Yeah. every new product and every it's new hard restaurant. work terrible but I, I mean there is a bit of a chore to it like because of course there you is. have to go in with you know you have to go in with this fair level headed approach to everything for sure yeah and uh, Joe McNamee restaurant critic award I have a special place in my heart for that man like many many years ago I, I helped I got involved with the West Cork food festival um, it was the first time I ever met Roy Brett, who's the owner of On Down in Edinburgh. He was Rick Steen's executive chef for seven or eight years in the seafood wow. restaurant. He is one of the best restaurants in the British Isles now, like in, in Edinburgh, <coughs> On Down. And he won year one. I was supposed to cook for Ireland, so there was a thing called the Celtic Cook-Off. And I think Paul Flynn ended up cooking year one, and I cooked in year two. And they had this thing called the Champions Dinner. So you had a chef from... From Ireland, Scotland, Wales, 
Isle of Man, Brittany, Celtic regions, okay? The year I cooked in it, Rick Steen's son, Jack Steen, was representing Cornwall. Stefan Delarume, who's the executive chef in Rick Steen's seafood restaurant, was representing Brittany. Tony Singh was representing Scotland. It was, and, and I was up against them. Hashtag, I won it. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. No, I did. Story. But Roy, no, Roy Brettlow, Roy Brettlow <laughs> won the first year. But it meant the world to me because it was just. What did you cook? I did a, I did a, a lamb, a loin of lamb. It had a little hair, but like I made this pear mustard, and then I had a loin of lamb, and then a parsley crumb. I had an artichoke crema, caper berries, a smoked tomato, and a garlic confit, and a few other wee bits and pieces. It was a cracking dish, and I had a jus. Then what was it? a bagna cauda jus or something like that? It was a it was a it was a cracking dish. It was one of my favourite dishes from my menu in Viewmount. I cook it now the odd time at the chateau as well, and. Uh, um, but the reason I brought it up was the champions dinner was the night before the competition. So the previous year, year one's winner was Roy Brett, and Roy came over and you had a room with a hundred people, and he did a taste of Ondine. And year three, I did a taste of Viewmount House. I brought my team down, did a tasting dinner for the whole group. But that night was the first time I ever tasted Cullen Skink. It's a it's a smoked haddock chowder from the Isle of Moray, and I had one bowl. And then I had another bowl it's and I much. passed on the main course and I had another bowl. I've never <laughs> done that before. I had three bowls of Cullen Skink and I wrote a cookbook for Bluebird Care many years ago and I put it in there. But I still make that chowder. Like, as Mammy would say, it's as thick as myself. Like, it's really thick with the leek, onion, potato. potato, and then the smoked. And not the fancy natural smoked haddock, like the old school stuff we grew up eating, yeah. the dyed yeah. smoked haddock or smoked cod. It has to be one of the most most beautiful chowders and I've brought that down to Marty and Fishy Fishy and Kinseal where they used to have the big chowder fest I, I'm Frankie Fish and I from Amport Moor we did the chowder a festival every year in Kinseal and we often cooked the Cullen Skink down there absolutely but anyway that's where I met Joe McNamee for the first time in person I've been reading his work in the Irish Examiner for a long time he is amazing I'm absolutely thrilled that Joe won the restaurant quarter critic award do you know him yeah I know him through uh, him reviewing and you know I've met him a couple of times I wouldn't say I know him as well as you do. yeah he tends to stay down around Cork he does yeah I mean that's the stamping ground so um, but no I've I done something with him over Covid I can't well that's the newspaper stamping ground as well I suppose yeah, yeah. it's not just Joe being lazy and yeah, no no out. it's yeah. not about him being lazy but you know I, I I think I as you know I launched an online cookery program during Covid yeah uh, which I ran from my house and Joe was very uh with me for that ah good gave me some good coverage and it was a difficult time for everybody as we yeah. know I'm not going to dwell on COVID too much but it really gave me a slap across the jaws because I went from running very very busy kitchens to having not having nothing but like I literally just stopped resetting up myself was uh, something that I had to do very quickly yeah um, and I put up a thing on my Instagram that's how I uh, y- y- it was amazing by the yeah, way yeah yeah. I was sharing loads of recipes but then I said to my wife I think people uh, might want to learn how to cook and I remember I put in a question box on my Instagram if you're interested in learning how to cook 
DM me your uh, email address and I woke up the next day and had 70 email addresses yeah and I was like here we go and now you're like oh shit I have to start <laughs> yeah. I have to start doing something I wasn't like that at all <laughs> it was a it was a relief Karen. yeah like you know yeah. because well I, I will say this and not just because we're, we're, we're good pals but you have a lovely way about you you have a lovely way of teaching uh, the recipes you know you portrayed them really really well and it was yeah. stuff that people wanted to eat yeah and I think you and we both know like the, the recipes we share in this other part of our job like yeah. radios and magazines it's not the recipes we do in work no it's the type of stuff that we do when we're at home like yeah. I have two kids you know like that's my wife and my family and when I'm cooking at home I'm not making fine oh, jewels no. and, no. You and, know, any, and any chef by the way that tells you yeah, they're nothing. making stocks every week at home <laughs> they're talking Walking through their arses yeah, yeah, like yeah, no yeah. chance yeah yeah no exactly. chance and I suppose it's about trying to impart those little things that's why I like sharing as much as I do and I think the other really lovely thing that came out of that for me was I got to spend loads of time with my wife and kids at home oh yeah you know the, kids. the first lockdown was amazing I mean for yeah. me living I mean I was splitting my, my time between Arizona Dublin France Paris Lurie and and I was like oh my god I'm at home and seeing the kids it was I mean it got old fairly lively but I mean yeah. <laughs> the first four or five months was it, it was amazing you know what I mean like so big shout I didn't know that he never mind your food by the way but your your cocktails were yeah, better, exactly. were better the cocktails that you were doing People were, were, too. were better and, uh, and the other one I think I'd be remiss for us not to say is what's going on with the char food goods and I think oh she's amazing yeah that whole but I, I think like so much of that now there's loads of these online platforms on Instagram and TikTok that are sharing all these amazing secrets about the Ireland food scene that you know they're worth a follow have a look and from really cool pizza places yeah. to the best, best coffees to the best bowl of ramen to yeah. shout out to Cassie Stokes I love yeah, her I love Cassie Cassie's amazing. class and I think you know I think what the guys at Char are doing are they're really opening up that doesn't she do a thing for a, a fiver or something like a I think it's brilliant that that, that type of uh, media is getting recognised because yeah. um, it is important and then um, obviously we're going to finish it up with oh yeah uh, we'll wrap it up with John with and Sally Ann I mean John and Sally Ann the out, Outstanding Achievement Award I'll never forget the day we touched on it on episode one when James the owner of Umount House previously walked in and just stuck the Bridgestone Top 100 guide mm. sticker in, on the pass in, in my section and I mean I could feel my eyes watering up it was the, they were the first Georgina Campbell was the very first um, I don't know what I call her critic but influential food yeah. person slash critic I owe a huge amount of the success I had in Viewmount House to Georgina I love her to bits she was amazing but Sally and John McKay I mean I subscribe to their their letter that comes out every I mean you chat about people that finds oh, every yeah. nook and cranny but I mean in, they go everywhere everywhere every and they're based in the, in the back end to be on in West mm. Cork a lifetime achievement award our outstanding outstanding achievement award could not go to no. two two better Probably people really. I love them to bits yeah. Theatre of Food anybody that's been to Electric Picnic I was involved in Theatre of Food from day one and in the early days I did a good few years before I, I left Ireland and stopped cooking here but that's become a massive part of Electric Picnic yeah, now good. and Sally and John McKenna have curated that every single year and uh, well done to them I'm delighted to see that they got some recognition there Dishing It Out with Gary O'Hanlon and Gareth Mullins a Go Loud original podcast 
podcast. Proudly sponsored by Cully and Sully. Now is the perfect time to dig into a Cully and Sully risotto. Go loud. Sounds better with us. Dishing It Out with Gary O'Hanlon and Gareth Mullins. A Go Loud original podcast. Cully and Sully's squashed veggie soup is in season and the perfect warming meal. Go Loud. Sounds better with us. Okay, so every week we're looking for your questions, queries, uh, what to do, what not to do. And we ask you to send them in dishing at goloudnow.com. And producer Russell has a few that rolled in this week. Yeah, really grateful for your questions uh, coming in and uh, do keep sending them to us. But the first one I have comes from Kate, who is in County Clare and kind of interesting one going after our discussion on critics and everything. Not naming any names. How often do you go into a restaurant and think, my God, this is awful? Jesus. Who wants to go first? I I will, and I think from the theme of what I was talking about earlier on, and it's not me trying to dodge a bullet, but I'm always just happy to get out and get into a restaurant and pick up some ideas. And I honestly can't remember the last time I was out and had a really poor, poor experience. I really feel... You know, I try and choose restaurants that most of the time when I'm out with my family, I'm in a family-led restaurant. So I'm delighted to be out with my wife and kids, yeah. hanging out and eating something. And then the other time I tend to go around the fine dining part with chef friends and work, you know. So it's very rare I win. Yeah, and they, and they never look too bad from a distance. I more just get that feeling after the initial interaction or an order's taken or it's not taken. Yeah. A snotty waiter is enough to ruin a, a good dinner, but... It doesn't happen too often, but it happens. Yeah, I I just I was in, and this is gonna sound really bleed and snobbish now, but I was over in Champagne. You are a snob. Yeah, I am a little bit. No, I'm not at all. What are you showing though? <laughs> yeah, you sound so yeah, posh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're bleeding talking. Yeah, exactly. We were over in Champagne a few years ago. Uh, oh, here we go. Part of the five wine star dinner, marker, five yeah. star, right? We were Make over with sick. we were over with Bollinger, and they brought us out to a Michelin star restaurant for dinner, and it was all. No, I'm, I'm serious. It was. I remember they gave us this pan-seared foie gras. Now it's real chefy stuff, and it was in this chicken consomme, freezing cold. Oh no! The foie gras was gone a little bit cold, so it kind of oh, set a no. little bit. And worse than all Greeny. of that, worse than all of that, that I was, I wasn't the, it, it wasn't my table. There was a girl with us. It was her table that brought us there, and the waiter refused to talk to her with anything about the meal be, everything was directed at me or one of the other guys sitting at the table and so much so that they handed us the menus and the prices was on my menu and the other and her menu had no prices on it she booked the table the booking was in her name and that happened to me down in, uh, in just outside Champagne oh my god it wasn't too long ago it was about two years ago that was probably one of the worst uh, restaurant experience a Michelin star a Michelin star restaurant so there you go. There's a, wow. Going there's straight a to door. Google to find champagne. <laughs> yeah. Mix the star restaurants How are you? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. um, thank you, Kate, for that question. Uh, another question that we have here comes from Linda and Nace. Anything you can't or won't cook? Anything I can't? I don't know about can't. I mean, I'd like to think I could... Th- 
throw a stab at pretty much pretty much anything. I wouldn't be a naturally gifted patisserie. I wouldn't be a naturally gifted pastry chef. Um, but I do love when I say my ten year old new house. I do. I I designed a lovely wee kitchen space, and I if I'm gonna do any pastry work, it's there. It's probably what I what I work at or cook less um, than anything else. But but for the most part, you know, I wouldn't be a I wouldn't be a natural. You know what I mean? Won't cook. I don't. I don't think there's anything that I wouldn't cook. Um, well, actually, Gareth mentioned foie gras there, so I've I've stopped cooking foie gras and I, bear in mind I work in a private chateau in France but I will not use foie gras I'm there five years and I've never cooked foie gras I find it despicable I've never liked it and I don't pretend to be a save the world merchant but um, the very first <laughs> the very first menu that I had I, I had this dish where I had a, a bacon and cabbage uh, stuffed quail but I had a, a foie gras in the heart of it and a stuffed whole quail it's a beautiful dish but I took it off after so I'm probably going to say around 2009 2010 13 14 years ago was the last time I cooked it yeah I still cooker I still use it from time to time especially yeah. in celebratory type menus so around Christmas time I use it and New Year's Eve I tend to use it a little bit and now there's nothing really that screams I'm not a fan of courgettes would you believe? No, all right. I just, I'm nothing wrong with them. I'll eat them, I'll cook them, but I'm not a fan of them. I know a lot of chefs use them a lot, but I always find them a different ingredient to get a lot of flavour into. Well, so, they hold a lot of, squash holds a lot of water. Like the, yeah, no, I'm just not a big fan, yeah. but I, there's no ingredient I don't think that I won't taste or eat. That's a good question, though. Yeah, it is really good. And yeah. I was thinking, now we might come back to that one again. Though. I especially like the can to the fact that both of you went, no, no yeah. both <laughs> <laughs> it didn't say well. It didn't say yeah, well. yeah, yeah. I was I was a bit frazzled actually. But I was like, I who are you? <laughs> great question. Great question. Great question. More Linda. of them. More of those, please, Linda. Thank you so much for your question. <laughs> Let's go to a final one here, and this is a bit more lighthearted from uh, Brian in Rahimi. What is the best takeaway in Dublin? Oh, Jesus. Depends on what you're looking for. Yeah. Okay. Will we put it into a context, okay? You had a bit of a family party on the Saturday night. You really don't feel like cooking on the Sunday. You pick up your phone. You scroll through the menus. Well, I think think you get... The gras for one of two, two or three things, right? We'll say it's either pizza, fish and chips, or say a burger, right? Ramsden, around the corner from Jury's Hotel in Christchurch, what's that fish and chip place there? Burdocks. Burdocks, eh? Leo Burdocks. Amazing. Sweet mammy Jesus. Mm. The fish and chips in there is absolutely, in fact, that's where I'm going. <laughs> when I leave the studio fish and chips. today, that's where I'm going. I'm going to go get a fish and chips out of there. I used to love when the the early days of Kwanji in, in the Asia market yeah. in Duck, he used to do his, his duck spiced bag down yeah, there yeah, yeah. and he used to put on like his own seasoning. It's around the corner from Marconi House where we record. Yeah. So for years I did Kira Kelly's show on Lunchtime Live and I used that was my wee, weekly treat. Free. I'd go in there for a cold can of Coke and Kwanji's uh, duck spice bag. It was class. Mm. 
there's a there's an Indian in uh, swords that we use indie spice and uh, oh yeah it's very very good and look I'm picking something that's close to my home yeah um, and also again I'm not a big fan of pizza so I know there's a lot of good pizza places I'm not a big fan of pizza so yeah or I, I gave them a shout out, out last week but Snook the toy take yeah and close to where I live so yeah. either one of them that's another that's, a, that's another good question it is a good question yeah and I think it is subjective too because what's I, yours Russell oh see I, I just I love basically anything fried um, so right. I, I, I I love a spice bag I yeah. live out in County Louth um, and I have two places that I alternate between uh, a place called Mala and a place called Haifong and why are they so good why are those spice bags so good um, I find uh, Haifong has almost like a mouth numbingly beautiful uh, seasoning <laughs> cool. uh, type of vibe and I just really really enjoy that really good curry sauce whereas I prefer the crispiness and flavour of Mala but it just depends on the mood oh. Right. One one is more I would like a Chinese takeaway tonight because I'm not in the mood for it. Yeah. The other one is I am terribly you're indulgent. I'm in a very bad way. <laughs> I so Me both happen regularly. Um, so they're great questions. Uh, they are fantastic questions. Do send them into dishing at goloudnow.com for next week and we'll answer more of them. Love that, yeah. God, if they're if they're going down that alley every week, the the topic of conversation could get could get hairy. So it's cookbook corner time. Yeah, and this week is over to you, Gary. So I didn't even look at what you brought in because I want this to be a total curveball. So yeah, what have you got? So it's kind of weird it's in the sense that it's not an actual cookbook this is the food lover's companion alright it's the second edition Sharon Tyler Herbst who I don't know I don't know anything about her and in fact when I picked this up today and I've had this for so many years it was today when I decided to look and see. So this is basically a dictionary of food. So I had the original first edition of this, which was, so for those that can't see it, it's it's quite a thick book. It's almost like a thick Bible, really, and uh, or a thick dictionary. And it's basically, when I was younger, after college, I mean, I was a head chef a bit too young. I always sort of felt in, in my own career. And I've always been a student of the game. I've always loved reading. I, I love reading about food. Not so much always flicking through cookbooks and pictures, but actually hearing a word or coming up with a word. And I've I've yet to, to say think of an ingredient or hear of an ingredient and then I'd, I'd go to this book I'd look it up say I just open it there now aptly on Croque Monsieur so it's it's got the heading in, in bold and then a French style grilled ham and cheese sandwich that is dipped into beaten egg before sautéed in butter it's a beautiful thing a Croque Monsieur Croque Monsieur sometimes made in a special sandwich grilling iron consisting of two hinged metal plates each with two shell shaped indentations and that little paragraph on a Croque Monsieur so right away it's nearly teaching me how to make it. Like, I mean, if you're methodical enough and you know what maybe you know and I know and anybody that's a keen cook would know, you you right away go right into it. Then there's croissant. I won't read it out, but it's a larger one. But it gives you a wee bit of the history of the croissant, where it came from. and It's like a big repertoire, isn't it? It's a repertoire de la cuisine almost, yeah. Cool. But it's take a wee gander at that. It's absolutely amazing. And I've only got a few books when you walk into my house. Uh, I have a wee dresser that you'll make 
meet with a light and there's a few books that just sit there all the time and my wife rotates them or my kids rotate them but that never moves from there and every now and again if there's nobody at home I've often picked that up with a with a glass of Chablis and just flick through a few of them if you're writing yeah, menus no but I mean <laughs> if you're if you're writing menus though and you're looking for words yeah, I mean yeah. I, I take a blank page when I'm writing menus and I'll write down just random words everywhere it's how I used to write essays um, word storm or I don't know if there's a name on that or whatever but I'll open that book and I'll write out a word and word and, and just keep putting them all over the place and it's amazing how it starts to trigger ideas in your head you remember head. How, you, how you got it did someone recommend it um, there, was, there, was, there was a girl working in Devlin's in Boston that gave me my first one the first edition and of course like anything I have a blanket ban now and anybody taking any books from the house but somebody somebody got their hands on that first edition and somebody um, got their hands on my original Kitchen Confidential and, I, ne- and I never I never ever got it back amazing book yeah, yeah, yeah. First, first chapter. Yeah, top, top drawer. R.I.P. Anthony Bourdain. There you go. So that's another week in the can. Uh, thanks to Cully and Sully as always for helping us get through this and sponsoring us. Uh, check it out on your Go Loud podcast or wherever you pick up your podcasts. And again, keep getting those questions in. That was a really cool part, and we all enjoyed that. So look forward to chatting to you again next week. Dishing It Out with Gary O'Hanlon and Gareth Mullins. A Go Loud original podcast. Proudly sponsored by Cully and Sully. Deliciously fresh, tastes like homemade ingredients you find in your kitchen. Go Loud. Sounds better with us.